Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas, a podcast for mamas created by mamas. We discuss ancestral food, cooking, feeding our families, and holistic living with the everyday modern mom. We are Corey and Christine, two mamas on a mission to nourish our families holistically while keeping it real in today's crazy world. Follow us on this adventure and enjoy the stories and information we share. Today's episode is sponsored by the Nurtured Foundations online course. The Nurtured Foundations course is a podcast style course to teach parents how to start solids with their baby. Are you a parent with a child from zero to 24 months? Well, then this online course is for you. This is a comprehensive course that empowers parents to start solid foods in a confident and safe way and raise adventurous and healthy eaters from the start. We cover topics such as when to start solids, the most nutrient-dense foods to feed your babies, recipes, troubleshooting, how to prevent picky eating, and so much more. If you want information on this course, go to nourishthelittles.com and click on the link, Nurtured Foundations Online Course. You can also find a link to the Nurtured Foundations Online Course on my Instagram bio. Click on the link and look for Nurtured Foundations Online Course. Um, okay, so let's dive into some of these questions that we've got that I got from um, from Instagram. Okay, first of all, actually, this one is from me, so not from Instagram. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited about these questions. I love like just like, people actually asking real questions. I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, let's do this. <laughs> okay, so so I'm I know that you guys both have this like liver bloody mary drink can you tell me how to make this yes this okay so this is mean i know right i know i made it for christine when she was so christine i have to say like christine you're like oh i'm so glad you're on the show like i've talked about you your mentor i appreciate that so much but i have to say christine that you have been such an important influence in my life because i walked this world alone for so long and i started my blog and i think i met you like literally three months after i started my blog we were introduced from a mutual friend because she knew that you were interested in these things. And she was like, oh, you've got to meet Janine. She's doing this stuff. And um, and from the day that we met, you were like, wow, like you did that. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. And I think that, you know, I, you, I was three months in on my blog. I don't know how many recipes I published, like five, maybe three. I don't know. And I feel like you're like every recipe I've like ever posted. You're like, I made your whatever. And I'm like, what? You made it? Like somebody actually cooked that? <laughs> and so, I mean, like. I cannot tell you like how many warm fuzzies in my heart that like somebody actually showed up and like you would text me these photos. I was like, not only did you read the blog post, like who reads the blog post? Like, you know, I was like doing it for myself. I was putting these online. Like, I mean, somebody somewhere might be interested and I wanted them to have the resources, but I also just thought like, now I have all my recipes in one place, you know, because I was just like making up and have these things. But I, I invited Christine in the very beginning. I was like, okay, well, you want to eat this? Like come over to my house. I'll like make you this like raw liver drink. She's like, you can eat raw liver? Yes. Um, It's so good. But so when I, like I said, when I first learned about Weston Price, the only thing I knew was the Price Pottinger Foundation, who is the, who continues to keep these books in public, like published. And so um, 
I had sent them out a donation and then I started getting like their quarterly journal and their pamphlets. And they, they actually have many books of the nutritional pioneers that they keep in print and they are the Price Pottinger Foundation. And so Weston Price and Francis Pottinger. And so Francis Pottinger's landmark book is um, Cats. And it's a study of over 900 cats over 10 years. And they basically, it's a very early study in epigenetics. So epigenetics now is an entire field of study where we look at how environmental influences um, can affect genes, like turning genes on and off. And food is, is of course, an environmental influence, right? Like what we put in our body can turn our genes on and off and um, help our body behave in very different ways. And so um, this was a very early environmental study, but I became very interested in Francis Pottinger's work as well. At the same time, I was really eating up all these books in the beginning. And um, he had a tuberculosis sanatorium in Southern California. And uh, he was, you know, kind of nursing these patients back to health and uh, in the sunshine of Southern California and the open air of these, um, you know, these sanatoriums. But, and so he would focus his meals on, on two things. One was like these gelatinous stews and the other one was like raw meats. And when I later found the Western Price Foundation, I realized that in their dietary guidelines or principles that they also had a notion that, which, you know, I had observed also from the book was that all the traditional cultures cooked their meat, but they ate some of their animal products raw. And so some of the animal foods were cooked raw and uh, or pre prepared, served raw. And so uh, muscle meats are actually a little bit difficult to eat raw. And so you'll find that where they are prepared, they're either ground or they are sliced very thinly like carpaccio or they're chopped up like tartare. There's a lot of pre-processing that already happens to those muscle meats so that we can digest them easily. But with organ meats, um, and actually Bill Schindler has echoed this as well, that the organ meats can, because they have these different structures and these different properties, they can be eaten raw fairly easily, pretty much all of them. And they have been traditionally because they also would go bad very quickly. And so they were the first, you know, they were prized and they were eaten first off of the carcass and like the fats, for example, you could preserve, but the organs you couldn't because the nutrient density was so high that the things in the environment would go after them as well. So they would, you know, the little bacteria and and bugs and things like that would eat it away and then it would rot very quickly. So you would want to eat it right away. So um, you can definitely eat raw liver and um, you can eat all the organ meats raw. And, and I actually like for me, one of my value sets is experimenting. And so, um, you know, I definitely encourage you, even if you're going to prepare some liver in the pan, like there's no reason why you can't slice off a very, very thin slice or a very small piece and just put a little bit of salt on it. And maybe if you're still unsure about that, even like a drop of honey or maple syrup and just try it raw. Like, you can eat it raw. It's fine. Um, and a lot of people, like you said, Christine, are having like raw capsule, you know, they'll make like capsules and eat it raw. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that's a great way to get started because I think you can really feel the difference in your body when you start eating it. But at the same time, for me, like food, like making meals is very important to me. What's that? No, I was going to say, but tell us what the price pot the liver tonic goes. Is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's basically just tomato. So it's raw grated liver. So when I started making this drink, um, Sorry for such a long backstory. Um, raw, I would grate the liver on it, like literally on a box cheese grater on like the small side and it would be frozen. And so it'd be fairly hard to grate. So I would like leave it on the counter to get a little bit soft. And then I would grate it and I'd have like this like kind of pieces of like raw grated liver. I would put it in a cup and then I would squeeze lemon or lime juice over the top of it, like half of a lemon or half of a lime. And what's interesting is that we make ceviche, which is another raw food, like it kind of cures when you put it in the acid, like in the lemon or lime juice. And the same thing kind of happens. You kind of see it change color. But um, and then I would put a little salt, Tabasco, and then pour tomato juice over the top. And uh, anything that you put in a Bloody Mary, you can easily put in the raw liver tonic. So you can add, you know, Worcestershire or um, you could even just use a Bloody Mary mix if you don't want to like add things and you can 
you know, you can put a slice of bacon in it or some celery. You can do all kinds of salts. You can do herbs. You know, you can add basil or parsley or anything like that. But it's very simple and I find it to be delicious. But again, more along the lines of like food. I mean, when I'm chopping, when I'm slicing raw liver, my kids are like puppy dogs, like at the counter, like they want, they definitely want pieces of it. It's interesting how kids like definitely have this pathway of wanting real food um, and stopping when they're full, even when it's like straight sugar, you know, like kids still kind of have that innate um, like brain chemistry, but um, yeah, so they'll definitely eat it raw, but I I love the liver tonics. It's like an actual, it's like a little meal. It's an appetizer. It's a beverage can be enjoyed at any time, day or night. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. Um, Next question. We got a lot on this particular topic. So um, can you touch on organic versus conventional versus the availability of those things? Um, if it is not organic, should be should it be um, avoided? That Yeah, I think that this is a big question. And I've actually been posting this week about, you know, omnivore's dilemma and uh, the problems with conventional meat and how they're raised. But the fact is, is that I think that there's generally some confusion about the liver it processes toxins, but it doesn't store toxins. And so I think there is some confusion about that, that the liver is actually a powerhouse of nutrients because it's doing all the hard work of the body. It's metabolizing food, it's cleaning the blood, it's um, it's regulating the levels of sugar and amino acids that are in the bloodstream at all times. It's doing like all this really hard work. So, and it's storing the fat soluble vitamins so that it can put them out and, and be the conductor of the symphony. What it is not doing is it's not storing organs. What it's doing is that when, or toxins, when toxins come in, it's actually deconstructing them into component parts. And then it is sending them um, out with the bile. And then the bile will take that into the, you know, to be excreted. And so, um, so it's not storing organs. So if you, I don't see why, if you are comfortable eating conventional meat, like if you eat hamburgers out of your house, like, and you're comfortable with that, like why it wouldn't be okay to eat liver that's just conventional liver. Because yes, these animals are not sick and or these animals are sick in the confined animal feeding operations and some of them have abscessed livers and those livers are pulled. And I think that USDA processors like, you know, have an important job of like pulling the organs that are not good and taking them out. But um, for the most part, I, I don't, I don't totally see the difference. Like if you're okay eating conventional meat, then I don't know why you wouldn't eat a conventional organ because it's the same meat, but way more nutrient dense. And I don't think that it's storing the organs because it's or storing the toxins just because it's processing the toxins. I think that's a, I think that's a misconception. I don't, um, that's not exactly the way the liver works. So yeah, so I, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. There were many years of my life where I would not eat conventional meat full stop. I was like coming off of this like plant-based world. I had very strong beliefs. I mean, I still do about supporting the farmer and all that, but quite frankly, like during COVID, we walked away from our house in Chicago and we were on the road for almost two years. Um, we, you know, we saw like dozens of national parks and we drove around the country and, um, and, you know, if it was more important to me to like have my best friend, like grass-based farmer, then I would have done that, but I, I didn't. And, um, and it was actually still important to me to preserve our Monday night liver night. And so I bought liver all over the country and all sorts of grocery stores in the middle of nowhere. And I served it to my family and, um, because that was my paradigm at that time. We also started eating fast food hamburgers all the time, you know, like I, like that, I mean, I, we had never had these foods before in our family because I felt very strongly about it, but I mean, times change. Like we were in a different place in our life and a different stage of our life. And like, that's not what we were doing. I mean, that's my experience. So I, I didn't want to 
eat those foods because I didn't eat conventional meat, period. But I don't understand why if you eat conventional meat, you wouldn't eat a conventional liver because it's just a more nutrient dense food of the same thing. And the nutrient, the, and the like the past, the uh, conventional hamburger is still like the best you can do at any, you know, at any fast food place or anything else. Like that's still the, by far the most nutrient dense. And, you know, when I did this study, you know, at McDonald's when I was in college, I was so confused by this because I really had a plant-based diet and I was like, or primarily, and I did not understand how hamburger could be the most nutrient dense. Which is I really thought that the, that the vegetables were the healthy foods. Like I was truly legitimately confused about this, but so it turns out it was a hamburger. And then the only thing at McDonald's that had any level of vitamin C, there's nothing on the menu that has any vitamin C except for the orange juice, which is like all sugar. And I was like, how could that be? But that was it. I mean, you, to meet the RDA, like that's what you had to do. You had to have hamburgers and a cup of orange juice. So, I mean, that's, that's a hard, that's the truth of it. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't like, don't think, I don't know. I know it's tricky. If, if you feel like in your life, you like care about this, like very passionately and you want to buy from all your farmers and you can afford to do it, like by all means, like, please please like do everything that you can to like move in this direction. I, I believe like for me, it's like connects me to the earth and it, there's so many benefits of like, I believe that the, that our regenerative farmers are the true environmentalists of our era. Like these are the people that are actually doing the work of restoring the topsoil and supporting the land and, and building up the biome, like the entire, like which are all of our, like our entire uh, ecosystem depends on. But I also feel like, you know, I and mean, my kids are also at an age where they're starting to be out of the house and have friends and do more and more things out in the world. And I don't think that it's practical to like, to, like, to put that on them. Like, I, I think that you just have to make the best choice with what's available to you, whether it's your finances or the access or whatever it is. I don't think that these are things that, you know, if you're stressed out, then your food is not going to serve you well to be like, we have to appreciate, like you can get so many nutrients out of everything you eat if you eat it with love and appreciation. So like, why wouldn't you just embrace every meal that you have with like that? regard you know like to thank the earth and the sunlight and the farmer and the creator like all of it for for everything that we have i think that there's a lot to be like there's so much to be gained from all of it so i don't think that we I, we don't want to stress too much or like worry about these things in my opinion like just do the best you can and like move on and appreciate what you have yeah all right here's a fun one what about what is the best way to prepare bull testicles and lamb brains Oh, these are great questions. Okay. So, um, testicles. Okay. Okay. Again, so I, I told you that we had a compass here and the compass would point you in the right direction. Right. And so if you're going to use that compass and you're going to think about it, the testicles, testicles and brains are actually different ballparks. Um, but let's go with testicles first. They do have a fair amount of connective tissue in them. A lot of that is in the membrane, which will come off and, um, you will want to trim the membranes off and you'll be left with this piece of white meat, which in my opinion resembles chicken meat. And so, um, I, you know, not my favorite thing, but the fact is, is that's a very easy sell with kids. It's like white meat and it doesn't, it will pick up the flavors that you cook it with. It doesn't have, it does have some flavor, but it doesn't have a strong flavor in my opinion. It will, if you use any kind of spice, you won't taste the flavor of it at all. Only if you're eating it like a very simple preparation with salt, would you have a nuance of the flavor? And uh, so you can do two things. You can either um, just cook it quickly and it doesn't have to be rare in the middle, but it, it will firm up a little bit, but that actually helps for cutting it and things like that and for serving it. So pan frying it, I think is like what it, the way it's served in restaurants all across the you know Midwest is they pan fry um, Rocky Mountain oysters or bull's testicles. And the other thing that you can do is you can also braise them because you can cook them for a long time and kind of break that down. So you can, you know, cook up some bacon and some other spices and you can braise them for like 45 minutes in a sort of tomato sauce. I have recipes for both of these things on my site, Awfully Good Cooking for pan frying them. And if you, you know, you can use flour to pan fry. If you don't do that, you can use arrowroot. If you don't do that, you can just cr crushed up pork rinds or breadcrumbs. Like, you know, there are many ways that you can um, 
that you can fry them up or you can just fry them in butter, whatever, with some herbs, like seasonings, whatever you like. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, testicles are, you know, Rocky Mountain oysters for bulls and, uh, for sheep, they are, um, they're called fries, lamb fries. So, um, we've had, that's what we used to get in Chicago. We didn't have access to, to bull, but we had a lot of lamb fries and, and for a long time, nobody was buying them. I think that they're like, there's definitely a rage now in the carnivore community. And I think like in the bro, um, health world to bring back testicles. But, um, for many, many years, like nobody was buying them in Chicago. And I really like have the, a full interest in like supporting my grass fed farmers and buying all of the cuts. The thing is, I would say, what, what can't you sell? Like I'll buy all of that. Like that's what I want to take into my home. And so there were many years we ate a lot of lamb fries and, um, they're fine. Like everybody eats them. Like I think they're actually a very easy sell for kids because they're not, they're a white meat, not a red meat. So that's easy. Um, and then for lamb's brains, brains are actually a totally different category because they don't have a lot of connective tissue and they're just a fatty meat. And so, um, anywhere that you're using fats, you can, I've done, so really like, I think that with a fatty meat, even like tongue, you really want to have like a crisp outside and then a really tender and creamy inside. And so there's different ways you can do this. You can also uh, make fritters where you like bread them and fry them or just saute them in butter. Or um, one time I've even made, um, I made like homemade empanadas with like masa and flour and lard. And I made a batter of um, brains and chilies and herbs and lime juice and everything. And I, I put it in the empanadas and we deep fried the empanadas in lard. And then they were crispy on the outside and had these like really tender, delicious brains on the inside. Um, so anything like that, where you have this contrast of like, uh, crispy or like a little bit of bite on the outside, like giving way to something that is like really, really tender and creamy on the inside is awesome for brains. And the other thing that you can do is because brains are basically just a cream based food. Like they're, um, they're often, I think the most common recipe for brains is, um, scrambled eggs with brains. And so you can just mix them with that and then you can use the brains. They're similar consistency because they're so high in fat like the egg yolk. And so you can actually just use the brains and make a scramble with other vegetables. If you could, I've done a, um, I did a beet scramble one year for Halloween and I've done other vegetables. like in a scramble with the brains instead of with eggs and you wouldn't know the difference. It was just like kind of cooks up, it firms up the way an egg does. And then you can cook it like that, or you can use it in a fat preparation. Like you can just substitute, um, like egg yolks and you, and like put it in mayonnaise and like use the brains as the egg yolks and mayonnaise. And I recently made a chocolate mousse recipe, which is like the only dessert on my site. I don't really have a huge sweet tooth, but I really wanted to try this out where I just subbed the egg yolks and I used brains instead and I prepared the recipe and um, that was awesome. So yeah. So I think brains um, have a, you know, they have a different and interesting um, consistency, but I will say that the prized, you know, Sally Fallon always talks about the four prized organ meats and those are the fattiest organ meats and that's liver and tongue and brains and marrow. And so if you have access to brains, like you are in a very special spot, there was years that we had access to them. And like now we don't really anymore. And it's, it's a sad time because my kids still love them and ask for them and I haven't really been able to access them. So, um, cheers to you for getting the lamb braids. I have a few recipes on my site also, at least a half dozen, and you can check those out if you want some ideas. Okay. I think we actually have covered a lot of these questions just in our, our conversation. Um, I'm trying to like read over them and get a little bit of a better idea, but I think, okay, here's one that I think is hilarious. Um, and <laughs> says, um, any tips for making organs not taste so, um, uh, organy? 
<laughs> totally. Uh, definitely bacon. But you know, I think that the, I think that the organy problem is really like cooking it in that middle ground. So honestly, try eating right. it rare or like raw. Seriously, right? Like a little salt goes a long way. And, um, and also then like a kidneys, like for example, you could eat them, you could prepare them rare and have them rare in the middle and use a nice sauce. Or you could do like steak and kidney pie, another traditional preparation where you're going to cook them for a really long time as a stew. And then you're going to use that as a filling for something, you know, like that kind of thing. So um, I think that making them not organy is like not cooking them in that middle ground and making them really tough and with strong flavors, you know, you want to balance these organs with complementary flavors. So if you're doing strong organs like um, kidney or liver, then yeah, like pull out the bacon or pull out the bacon, pull out, you know, like the ginger for a stir fry, like all these strong flavors. And then otherwise, like if you have the tender organs, then, you know, load up on butter because it's just going to taste like butter, right? Like whatever fat you like. So we had um, a duck, I don't know. What was it called? Um, shoot. I can't remember what the dish is called. It's like a Louisiana sort of thing. Help me out. Some sort of Creole dish. Jambalaya. There we go. Oh. Um, so uh, our friends, my husband and her husband hunted these ducks on our lake and then they harvested all of the organs out of them and they made, and our, our friend made this um, jambalaya and he's like, well, just so you know, I put all of the organs in there, chopped them all up and threw them in there. But it's, I mean, everybody loved it. It was delicious because it had all of these, you know, warming spices yeah. and spicy sort of flavors and um, that it, it really worked. So I think that actually reminds me of something, which is that I always try to tell people like, what recipes does your family love? Like, what's the flavor profile that your family loves? And like, use those because they're already familiar and your people already like those, right? Like we have like a couple spices that we always go back to in our home. And, you know, that those are the easy things to incorporate. And then that, that, that like gives a bridge. So, and also I would say, don't start with too much, right? It can be an appetizer. You don't have to cook the whole thing. Um, you can experiment it for like, I, you know, you don't have to overdo it the first time. Like you can have a small, we can just do a little tiny bit and say, I don't know if anyone's going to like this. I don't even know if I can eat it, but we're all just going to try it. And like, you might like it, but that's like, that feels like a big win as opposed to saying like, I'm going to cook this huge dinner and like, now you're going to eat it. And then people are like, whoa, no, like that's too much. Now you feel like you have this big loss. It's like, it's like how you set it up. Like, how did you frame the situation? Like set it up so that you can win. Like set it up so it's always a win. So you can like always come back and do it again. Like this is this really special food, but I have no idea. Like people are like, oh no, it's okay. I'll try it. You know. But then, you know, like it, there's a lot to be said of like how you like what your intention is and your expectation. So consider that as well if you don't want it to be so organy. I really like that idea of, you know, making it kind of like a side or an appetizer or something. And, and then it's just not as much pressure. Yeah, it shouldn't be pressure. It should be fun. Like this is so adventurous and fun. And like these meats are so good. And they're so, like I said in the very beginning, like when you asked about my favorite organ meat, like it's such a gift. Like every time I'm like, oh, it's like a present to myself and my family. Like I'm so, you know, like if you, if that, I mean, when that's your perspective, like how can you go wrong? And, you know, sometimes you give a present that somebody doesn't like, but you still give a present. There was still like a notion of like a gift that was received. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. Just changing your perspective of it. Yeah. Um, I actually do think we should ask this question, which is how do you know when an organ meat has gone bad? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, and I saw that on your list and I thought, you know, this is like really, an, it's an experience game, right? Like if you've you know, that, I've like, had experience with that. 
I know. And so I'm like, well, just text me, right? Like, I feel like that's my answer to everybody. Like all my students, I'm like, well, just text me, right? Because I'll like guide you through this because it, but because until you've dealt with it, until you've had it a few times and you've prepared it a few times, you've trimmed it and prepped it a few times, it's not totally clear. But over time, it becomes very obvious, right? What a good organ is. And like, even like I'll get like livers from somebody, I'll be like, oh, like maybe chicken livers or something. It's like, you can tell like the early season versus like the green grass or, you know, like whatever, maybe like you can tell the difference in them. And so after a little while, it's like very obvious what are the good, best quality ones. But it's a little bit tricky to know up front. What were you going to say, Corey? I'm sorry, Norton. No, I was just saying that like a lot of times you, you go off of your nose, right? With, with Mm -hmm. food. Okay. Like if it smells funky, like we're just, it's, it's gone. Um, but organ meats kind of smell funky anyway. Yeah. A lot of times. So yeah, tripe smells like a barn. Like, oh my gosh, when I first used to prepare it, I'd be like washing my hands with lemon juice, like 10 times afterwards I give up, you know, like, well, I guess I'm just going to smell like a barn today. Like, I don't know, because I was like preparing this fresh tripe myself, but, um, Okay. So no, no solid information. No on that solid one. information okay. on that one. I mean, I would look for like, I, if there's discoloration and spots, I would trim those off. I mean, these organs do go quickly, very, you know, they go bad very quickly. And so, um, even in the freezer, well, not necessarily in the freezer, but sometimes you take okay. them out of the free, you know, like we, we have this problem in our freezers where we look at them for a very, very, very long time. So guilty. Um, yeah. Right. I've been guilty. I've totally done this. Um, I, I mean, every, every problem, like, why do I know so much? Because I have ruined everything, right? I have made every mistake. I have made the worst liver. I, I've only made the best liver because I've made the worst liver so many times. Like, I've undercooked it. I've overcooked it. Um, but, yeah, so if you can see, like, visible spots of freezer burn or um, discoloration, like, I would trim those. And if there's a lot of it, you know, I might take off half of it. And then, you know, but that might be perfect. That might be the perfect one to try because then you would take it off half of it. Now you don't have to feel bad that your liver's half the size it was before. You know, you had a half pound or a pound and now you have like half that. So you can just cook that up and see how it goes. And then, I mean. That's funny. Yeah. I, okay. And then I also really think that we were going to touch on it before and it's important to do it now, which is how often should we be eating organs? And this goes hand in hand with a conversation that you and I have had many times, Janine, which is that there are some individuals in the community that believe even consuming liver is incredibly dangerous because of the vitamin A toxicity that you could get from eating it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah. And so they don't even recommend eating liver anymore and especially yeah. beef liver. Um, yeah, so just curious, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think that that's really a perspective to be honored because how did somebody get to that perspective? They got it um, in this situation from clinical experience, seeing people that had, you know, that had vitamin A toxicity multiple times. I mean, and how does that happen? I mean, there's a couple, I think that um, there's a couple ways that this can happen. And I think that a lot of it has to do with supplementation, but there is a situation where you can just eat too much liver. And so let's kind of go through that really quickly because I, I do think this is important as well. And I actually think that in the Western price community, people that are savvy to this and wake up to it, like you can, you, be, you start eating liver, you feel a lot better. You think, oh, a little bit is a good thing. Like a lot must be better. And so um, it, it's possible to eat a lot of these, um, these foods. And, and what happens is that these are fat soluble vitamins. They're not water soluble vitamins. You, you're not replacing them every two days. They're fat soluble vitamins are stored in our liver. So we really don't have a way of knowing that we have too much until we have too much. 
right? And so it's a, it's a little bit trickier. And in the absence of a culture that has kind of values around these foods, it's hard to know. And so I, I guess that I was, um, I leaned into, I mentioned this earlier, but you know, my grandmother served my mom basically liver every week of her life. Like they had liver pretty much every week. And, and so that, that's, I leaned into that. I was like, this is a food culture from somebody who was from, my grandma was uh, raised on the island of Madeira uh, off the coast of Portugal. And she came to the United States um, to uh, put rivets on airplanes for the war. So she came in the war effort. She got, and there was a quota, you know, like they were taking in more people from these countries in Europe and she got her quota number was pulled and she got the privilege of coming to the United States. And so she came and, um, and so she had these old like world, right? Like uh, food ways and, and, um, and beliefs about the world. And, and my mom grew up with all of the food. So like crocs of salted pig parts all over the house, things like that. So um, eating all the organs and um, the whole animal knows the tale, lots of, lots of stories. And, uh, and this was, well, I don't want to go too far down that path, but needless to say, I leaned into that food culture. And in the United States, I think that in the absence of a food culture, it's very hard to know what to do. And so for me, even when I was feeling very, very good about eating liver and I knew I was feeling better, I was like, well, just like wait till next Monday and we'll do it again. And it felt like production at the time, quite frankly. Like I, like I said, I hadn't cooked a lot of meats before I started bringing these foods into our home. I was squeamish about touching the meats. It was wobbly. Like everything about it was like gross and uncomfortable. And it's like once a week, like that is good. That's enough. But um, eating too much liver, if you are already eating a diet that has, like, like I said, you can get small amounts of vitamin A from things like pastured milk and from egg yolks. But if you are already eating a dozen egg yolks a day, like I think most people are eating like maybe two eggs a day, maybe right. Like for breakfast or maybe three, if you eat a lot, maybe you eat four. But like, I think that in some communities that are like meat based, people can be eating a lot of eggs. Like they could be eating them for multiple meals or for entire meals and eating all meat. So in that case, they already have high levels of, of vitamin A in their diet. And so if they start eating liver on top of that, I can see how you could go into excess. Um, that said, I think that in some of these communities, like people are transitioning and trying these experimenting with food based remedies and they're finding that they have success with liver. They feel better. They have more energy. And so why not eat more? And so um, for us, it was like liver once a week. That would be like, you know, like a four ounce serving of liver. Like that's a serving of meat in our culture, right? If you look in the old French cookbooks, those servings can be five or six ounces which I really appreciate because I think that like serving a five ounce serving of kidneys for dinner, like a plate full, like I'm telling, right? Like I'm saying the best way to make this accessible a moment ago is maybe to serve it as an appetizer or just a little bit or like not to lean into it, but like, wow, talk about a different culture and expectation that you would put a five ounce portion of kidney on a plate and serve that as a meal. Like in some ways, I really appreciate that, like that place in time where that was an option, but, um, but that's a lot. And like, would you have that, if you had a meal like that kind of rich and, um, Hardy, would you do that? I mean, you could do it every week, but would you do it every day? Like, I don't think you would, but if you're taking vitamin capsules, like liver pills, or you're swallowing the vitamins, I think you can miss the feedback mechanism of chewing your food. Because like, if you were to eat salt at some point, you'd say, I can't eat any more salt. Right. And I've definitely personally had that experience with liver. Like I'm eating my liver dinner. And like, at some point I cannot take another bite full stop. Like I just can't. And there were times where I, I mean, once I found these foods, um, I would eat it once a week, but then there was a time where I was comfortable with it. I was trying there. I mean, I was basically nursing or pregnant for over 10 years continuously. And so there was times where I was eating a lot more liver and really craved it. And, um, and times when then I would feel like I can't eat anymore, right? Like I've, I've done too much. So, and then I would take a break for a little while. But, um, so I think that eating and chewing your food allows you to access those feedback mechanisms. Um, if you're taking supplements, then it's a little bit harder to access that. 
Okay, so those are ways you can get in trouble with real food, in my opinion, but I think it's harder to do. And I would say that a, a very safe baseline is um, a half ounce a day if you are taking supplements or one three to four ounce portion a week. I think that's pretty reasonable. And if you are in the season of life where more could be um, like where you are depleting vitamin A sources, you're depleting them, you know, through pregnancy and nursing and, um, you know, through activity and things like that, then, then, you know, you can listen to your body and respond with that. And that is the benefit of real food is that you can listen to your body. Another place I think that most people get into problems with these is that we actually have, it's, it's interesting that we have this problem of vitamin A toxicity now in certain parts of our culture, because as a whole, our culture is extremely deficient in, uh, in these fat soluble vitamins. And, we're so deficient that, like I said earlier, they put it in breakfast cereal and milk and, um, and in juices because people otherwise wouldn't have any in their diet at all. And, and that's not a good place to be, right? So we've done them a favor of fortifying foods. And so if you're still eating those fortified foods and then you start adding these, um, they did. A, I recently read a study on PubMed saying that they looked at uh, real sources of vitamin A, liver, and um, like, like very um, unprocessed sources of cod liver oil compared that to synthetic vitamin forms, like the fortified foods, and also just vitamins that you like, if it's a processed form of cod liver oil that has like a vitamin, where the vitamin A has actually been stripped and then it's been added back through a synthetic vitamin source, that it would take, um, that at doses that were only one tenth of the amount, people would show signs of vitamin A toxicity. So these synthetic and like supplemental forms, you can get a vitamin A toxicity with one tenth the amount of vitamin A as you can with the true forms. And so this actually, this is like also begs another question, like how well do we really understand these foods that we've made a, a synthesized version of what we believe to be the exa same exact chemical structure, but you, if you eat one-tenth of the amount, you, you show signs of toxicity compared to people that eat the natural form. Like, so we know from Western Price that like these fat-soluble vitamins are in concert with each other, A, D, and K. So is it that there's some amount of these other vitamin nutrients that are in the food-based form? Or is there things that we do not understand about the compounds? That is one question. And the other thing is that, so for vitamin A in particular, is that this is retinol. And so all skin problems, you know, like are not all skin problems, but like acne and things like that are treated in our country with literally retinol A. And, um, and so that is vitamin A skin cream, right? Like you are deficient in vitamin A, you could eat liver, but instead you are putting this skin cream on your body. You may be putting this skin cream on your body and then you start eating liver. The problem is, is that with this synthetic version, you could have toxicity symptoms with one tenth the quantity that you would otherwise have. So this is a real thing. And the other thing is that that used to be only prescription medications, but now they have many different um, retinoids and retinol compounds that they use in many, many, many over-the-counter skincare products. So this is, these are like on the market everywhere. So you could be um, ingesting vitamin A from fortified foods and from skin creams and from ways that you didn't know. And then you start eating liver and maybe you're, you feel really good about it. So you start eating like an ounce a day and then you're eating like eight ounces a, you know, a week, which is a lot because if you think about 1200 pound cow, 500 pounds of muscle meat, a 10 to 15 pound organ. That's about 2% of the animal. If you include all of the organs, you have about 4% of the animal. Like, let me tell you something. Uh, if you eat one meal a week of organ meats, that's three meals a day, seven days a week. That's one twenty-one-th of your food, right? One twenty-one-th is about four and a half percent. So if you eat a whole animal and you, so basically eating one meal a week of organ meats is equivalent to eating the whole animal right? And half of that would be liver and half of that would be all of the other organ meats. It would be all of the tripe, all of the kidney, the sweetbreads, the, you know, the testicles, like all the stuff, um, the heart, the tongue, like everything, right? 
And that would be, that would, so that actually, I mean, those numbers actually add up exactly with what my grandma was doing to some extent, right? Of serving these organ meats once a week, um, usually liver. And um, so, you know, and then, but there were cultures, Christine, like you mentioned earlier, that did throw away the muscle meat when they had, like, if they had the opportunity, they would take more access of the nutrient dense foods. So again, this is like the French culture, maybe eating a five or six ounce portion. Like there are times and places where if people have access and resources, they will take in a little bit more of these foods, but not in the kinds of quantities and proportions that we're seeing today. And I think that the supplements complement it. So I do have three recommendations in this case. One of them is just to eat a serving a week, um, like my late grandma. And the other one is to eat your meals and to chew your foods, because I think that the feedback mechanism from chewing your foods offers a lot of value. And again, this is another reason why for me and my family and my kids, like creating meals that we liked was like a, you know, it's, it's a value in our home. And then the third recommendation is really to broaden your scope beyond liver. Like that we, that like you don't just have, yes, liver is the most nutrient dense food on the planet, but like there are so many other parts of the animal. We want to support the entire farmer. And, um, and so eating all of the cuts and learning how to prepare all of the cuts and incorporating them into our life is, is like rich and delicious and also like beautiful and fun and kind of adventuresome. So, so many benefits there. So that's my take on uh, vitamin A toxicity, which I think is a, an actual risk this place in time, like in the absence of a culture supporting these food ways. Thank you so much for sharing about that. I know that that's a hot topic for um, in certain circles. So I appreciate that you took the time. Yeah, to for that. good reason, right? Yeah. I think that, that this understanding that. is not totally clear. Um, really, it's taken me some time to think about it. And and I have a lot of background thinking about it. So it, it's not, I can see how people end up in trouble, quite frankly. Yeah. And I think that sharing all of this is important so that people can know if they might be at risk with the supplements or other, other things. I know. I remember when I first started looking into that and hearing it and thinking, oh my gosh, am I eating too many? And then I, I sort of realized I'm, no, I'm not eating too many. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other, the other best thing to do, if you're actually concerned about this is to buy a whole animal, buy a whole yeah. cow from your farmer, take all of the organs, put it in your freezer and eat down the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like, you won't be eating too much. You will just be eating the whole animal and then get another one and do the same thing. So, but the, the thing is, is that if you take out all those packages of organ, you basically have to eat once, one every week to like eat down your supply at the same time as everything else. So, yeah. So you both do this where you have in your meal rotation, you both throw in organs once a week, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I adopted it because of Janine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. I always say that, like, you know, have a meal plan where like, my meal plan is based on my value set, right? So I try to incorporate the things that are important as a baseline and then the organ meats. And if you don't have a meal plan, just take mine, right? That's like what I said to Christine, like, just take mine, like just eat liver every Monday night, move on, like have, you know, make sure you have a bone broth in there every week. Like, you know, we do that on Wednesday. We have seafood on Friday. Like you can just take that, just do that for a little, just experiment, do it for two weeks. See if it works for you. If it doesn't like move on, whatever, but run an experiment. I took Janine seriously and like, seven years later, I'm still doing the same thing. It hasn't even changed days for me except for the seafood. But it's amazing though, because, um, it, it, like, first of all, like we're eating, like we're always on the same, like, like, Oh, it's oatmeal day. Yes. It's oatmeal day. Like, Oh, it's liver night. Like, Oh, what are you having for liver night? Like, it's like, we always, we're speaking the same language. But like I said, Christine, like read my blog and then she like did, cause I think I had a post on my dinner schedule, like very early on, like Weston Price, you know, and like the principles of the Weston Price diet and our, and our dinner schedule. She's like, okay, I read the blog post. I'm like, you actually read it. She's like, I'll do it. I'm like, okay, like this is amazing. I just use my best, truly my best. <laughs> so I feel so 
appreciative. That said, like, thank you so much. Like to both of you, I just feel so grateful that all of it opportunity to come and share with you guys. This is like my favorite thing to talk about. So <laughs> we had no idea. We would have never. Guessed I know, that. right? I know. We're almost at two hours. This might be the longest episode. Oh, you have to cut out all the stuff in the middle. It's just like talking and talking and talking. <laughs> <laughs> we are not cutting anything. Um, I do want to say really quickly, I got a couple, we got a couple questions about sourcing. I'm just going to throw out there, same thing Christine and I say every time. A, we have an episode on sourcing back in season one. And two, um, f- go find your local farmers to do that. Go to either farmmatch.com or um, find your West Nate Price chapter leader in your area. Hopefully you have one. If you don't have one, um, then find the farmers. And Mm -hmm. especially if you live in a big city, like I know somebody who asked this lives in LA. I know there have to be places in LA you can get good um, organ meats. And yeah. And and, well, the thing about cities is that it's actually getting harder to find them because people have like kind of um, warmed up to some of these things and they can be sold out or more expensive. But honestly, I was thinking about this. Um, If you are willing to take like a, you know, a few hours to go out into the country every couple months and you can find a farmer that's a little bit further away and do a drive. I bet they have a lot of stuff that they're throwing out because um, all over the country, some of these most nutrient dense cuts are just not being utilized. I had a friend in Austin and I called around for some farmers for her recently. And I found farmers that were only an hour outside of the city and were literally throwing away all the organ meats. And I was like, would you be interested if my friend came to pick some up? And they were like, oh yeah, like $4 a pound for everything. And I was like, yeah. yep. So it doesn't take too far. And I was like, and you can take your kids to the farm for a day. Like this guy would be happy to talk to you and show you around, you know, and you can get some fresh air and some soil and you can get dirty with good dirt. And, um, and also in urban cities, Whole Foods carries like heart and, yeah. um, you know, liver and all sorts of stuff. I mean, and then, and then, and actually in not in big cities, Walmart carries everything like tripe and tongue and like all the stuff. So like, it, it really is everywhere. Uh, and if you're still having trouble, then you can always message me on Instagram too. I'm an awfully good cooking. <laughs> Uh, a note on the sourcing too. I have, I think you recommended this. It has not worked a hundred percent yet for me, but I think that for anyone it might work is if a farmer is reticent to give you something because an animal goes through a processor, tell them that it's not for you and it's for your pet. If you mm-hmm. tell them it's for your pet, yeah. then, then they will be, yeah, the, they'll hold it for you. They'll, they'll give it to you. Sometimes they'll give it to you for free, totally. but if you're telling them it's for human consumption, they're so weirded out. They're so grossed yeah. out. Like, who would eat that? And, and I also think for, like, legality reasons, they mm-hmm. can't yeah, in some give states. it to you. Yeah. So just, you know, tell a little white lie <laughs> here. Yeah, or maybe it is for your pet. I mean, I'm sure your pet will enjoy all of these things. So Yeah, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> for your kids. Right. We're, 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 not in, right. we're not selling people to do illegal things. Oh, but... right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> just be very clear about that. <laughs> do what you think is the right thing to do and follow the laws <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> nice little disclaimer there um, <laughs> all right janine tell us where guests can connect with you what do you want what else do you want to tell us about the liver lover challenge share a little bit sure. about that. okay so i put together this site um about five years ago awfullygoodcooking.com it's o-f-f-a-l-l-y awfully good cooking two f's two l's and um and i have probably close to 100 recipes now there so you can just search by organ meat like liver kidney whatever so if you have something in your freezer just pull it out and start defrosting it and then find something that you think that your family might like and uh give it a try so definitely do that there's a lot of resources on that site i mean if you yeah 
you can find a lot there. And then if you are looking for like someone to hold your hand, like you really want to dive in and you are looking for a coach, like your kids have coaches for all the things that they do in their life. And um, I would be, I would love to support you. So I have just like a lot of fashion enthusiasm. And, uh, and so in that case, if you go on Awfully Good Cooking, you can find a link to the Liver Lover Challenge. And uh, in that case, you can sign up for my free masterclass. And um, we'll talk about like what all the hype is about. We'll talk about, you know, the different nutrients that are in organs and um, my compass, you know, for transformation, the connective tissue framework and how to apply that. And then uh, just kind of overcoming hurdles and like the mindset hacks that I use to overcome hurdles. So, and then you can hear about my program and, and decide, you know, if it's for you. So I'm all about like putting myself in, in my program at this point out in the world. And you can decide if it's right for you. Like I said, several times on this episode, like if multivitamins are your thing or organic capsules or whatever, but like, you know, my food, if, if, if anything in your worldview, like aligns with mine and or pulls at your heartstrings and like, definitely like come say hi on my Instagram page, off the good cooking or come check out the liver lover challenge. I would love to hang out with you. Like actually one of my biggest dreams about the liver lover challenge now that's off the ground is creating a community of like-minded people because I just felt like in the beginning I was doing this really until I met Christine completely alone and in the dark. Like I didn't know anybody who was preparing foods this way. And, um, and it's been just such a gift to, to have Christine. And then as you know, when I launched my course last year and we did a couple of, um, like live, uh, launches of like um, courses together over like six weeks in these like communities of people like all together coming together and like all serving their family these meals and stuff. I, I don't know. For me, like that was just like one of the most meaningful and important parts of it. And I'm really looking forward to uh, building like a larger, stronger community and just like a tribe of people that are truly interested in feeding their soul, right? Like from the inside out, like feeding your soul with the community, feeding your soul with these foods, feeding your soul, like, you know, with your, you know, your family. And um, that's like, that's what lights me up. So yeah, that's where you can find me these days. I'm spending a lot of time over there. Yeah, the course is really great because it has tons of videos that actually show you how to prep these organ meats, recipes on how to cook them. Um, I mean, it's very, very detailed and, and you're going to come away making delicious recipes like, like she talked about. So. Yeah, the milestones in the course are basically liver four ways. So you can definitely be sure that you can find a way that your family likes. And then we cover all the other meats. So um, heart, tongue, kidney, um, tripe, gizzards. Uh, I'm missing one in that. Brain. And then brain, sweetbreads, testicles, marrow, oxtail. Um, I, I think I'm missing one on that list. I feel fairly certain about that. But in any case, we cover all the organ beans, and I expect you to cook at least three or four of them, depending on what you can get access to. And then um, we talk about digestion, palatability, leftovers, what to do with leftovers. That's always tricky. Um, and yeah, mindset, a lot of mindset stuff. So, and like just like my general cheerleadingness of the world. <laughs> so. I love it. Um, can our, Do you know if your um, three uh, wise traditions talks are available? They must be. If you have the wise tradition, if you have the conference recordings, then you have them. And you just did an episode on, um, with Hilda. On I did. The, yeah. On the wise traditions, on the wise traditions podcast. Yep. I think so that came out recently. Yeah. That was, that came out recently. So that okay. was super fun. Um, so exciting, right? Like you listen to the podcast for so many years and then Hilda calls you one day. Like, I know. <laughs> I, I know. Awesome. Like every I day, I like pinch myself. Like every day, I'm like, does my life get better than this? And then like the next, like the most awesome thing happens. Like, <laughs> where do we go from here? Like every day is better than the last. Only up. Only yeah, up. I know. It feels that way. So 
You guys I love are, it. You guys are the cool cats. You were on the Spanish one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, you're right. I forgot about that Here's, one. Like long before. I know. I forgot about it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Poor Spanish <laughs> podcast. <laughs> actually, so, I know. Actually, I just saw your recipe the other day. Your heart, uh, your heart jerky recipe on the Spanish site, and I wanted to repost it, but then I like wasn't totally oh. sure exactly what it said, and so I was like, "Well, I'll just not do that. Yeah. I don't want to make a fool of myself." Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> nourishing traditions came out in Spanish for the very first time. It's like never <sighs> been in Spanish, and it was just published in Spanish. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, oh, really? It's been out for that long and no one has put it out in Spanish? Like, what's going on? But yeah, it's it's really great. So cool. Anyway. All right. Well, folks, Thank I think that's ladies. all we have. We are three minutes away from two hours. And I bet no one thought that we would talk about organ meats this long, but look at that. Yes, we did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with our like intro and like all the other things we have to add, it'll we'll be at two hours for sure. Yeah. That's um, excellent. I love it. Well, it's pretty much my favorite thing to do to talk to you guys. So um, thanks for taking the time and for inviting me. Oh, I really appreciate it. I love you all. So we love you too. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. And if you guys loved this episode, go ahead, go to iTunes or wherever you listen, rate us, give it, leave us a little review. Tell Janine that, you know, you can't wait to try an organ meat or, um, you know, send her a DM, but definitely the more reviews and the more rates we get on the podcast, the, the more, um, accessible it is to anyone uh, to listen to. So we love hearing from you guys and all right. I think that's it. Okay. Thanks Janine. Thank you. Thanks. Bye y'all. Thanks for listening to modern ancestral mamas. Check out the show notes for the resources. You can find Christine on Instagram at nourishthelittles and online at nourishthelittles.com. You can find Corey on Instagram at fornutrientsake and online at fornutrientsake.com. Follow us on Instagram at modern ancestral mamas. The information contained in this show is for informational purposes only. It should not be intended as medical advice and should not replace your relationship with your healthcare practitioner.